Hello, good evening. Welcome back. This is your live weekly dose of real estate reality. I'm Jackie Baker. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. It's a beautiful spring night here in New Jersey. We are approaching summer, and which means we're also approaching, sorry, let me shut my music off there. We're also approaching June 1st. And if you haven't been watching the news or if you've been living under a rock, <laughs> if you don't know what June 1st means, well, gotta get with it. So. June 1st is the deadline to uh, for the government to pay back all this debt. And it's all over the news. Like, what's going to happen if the government defaults on their loans? Um, it's not looking pretty. And they keep putting this, this out there that this could potentially happen. And Zillow has now come out and said, if this happens and they default, mortgage rates could surge over 8%. Oh, my God. And then the housing market will crash. Oh my God. Well, is it going to default? We don't know. Probably not. But I thought it'd be a good topic to talk about this week. So I am so excited to bring back. Yay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Here he is. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> Here he is, Greg Wareham from your mortgage process. Thank That's you so right. much for being back. I'm so happy you're here. This is Thanks for having me, Jackie. Oh Hello, my God. This I, you know, I, I know I called you on here last minute and I so appreciate you being here and saying yes. And I thought this is such a good topic for us to discuss because as always, it's, um, you know, the news loves to sensationalize everything. And, but you, you sit back and you think about it. What if it does happen? What could, what could, uh, what could happen in the housing market? Scary. It'd be, yeah. It'd be bad. It'd be very bad. So let's, um, I want to start off with the article. John, could you please bring it on up? Got my, my handy producer with us this evening. Okay. So here it is. U.S. default would send mortgage rates past 8%. Zillow forecast mortgage payments would rise 22% in unlikely default. I love how they throw in their unlikely, you know? Um, oh, wait a second, Greg, I don't know why you're muted there. Here we go. Nope, that's okay. me. User error. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. All right, John, let's scroll down a little bit. I want to read this. Okay. The United States may be weeks away from defaulting on its debt, which could have a devastating effect. Mortgage rates could rise to 8.4% and payments on the typical home could rise 22% if the nation defaults on its debts, according to an estimate by Zillow. Though a default is unlikely, Zillow senior economist Jeff Tucker said it could send the market into a deep freeze. It would be a blow to buyers and sellers alike after mortgage rates doubled over the course of last year to settle below 7% in recent months. Interest rate hikes spiked mortgage rates and coupled with record home prices sent an affordability index by the National Association of Realtors to a 33-year low to a 33-year low late last year. So here's the thing. What do you think about this? I mean, you and I were talking about this before, Greg. I mean, the reality of this actually happening is probably slim to none. When I, when I was researching today, uh, a lot of analysts are saying like there's a less than ten percent chance that this can happen. You know, they're not going to they're not going to default. Probably not. But look, there's always the what ifs. So, 
what do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, if we if we went through the the what if on it, you'd likely see interest rates jump to eight and a half by September. So you had 25% reduction in sales. So you certainly would see a lot of turmoil in the housing industry. Mm -hmm. I, I think kind of bigger picture for me, when you look at the, the debt ceiling itself, it's, it's not uncommon for the debt ceiling to be changed behind the scenes in Washington, mm -hmm. which changed so much over the course of the past 10 years is how publicized and politicized everything is. Oh yeah. And this should just be going on behind the scenes and they're changing it to, to update expenditures that have already been approved. Mm -hmm. So, so just a little, uh, little backstory on it. So originally Congress had put the debt ceiling into place way back when, like in the early 1917, I think is the year they put it into place to make sure that the government wasn't spending more than a certain amount of money. Right. Now in, Today's world, kind of fast forward to today, Congress approved certain expenditures for this year. Now, you would think at the time they approved the expenditures that you'd, you'd make sure you have enough money for it. You think? Right? What a, what a novel idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the reality is they, they didn't. So everything that's the ability to raise the debt ceiling today, all it's doing is it's giving us enough money to pay the debts that have already been agreed to by Congress. Right. So it's not new expenditures or new debt that they're trying to get approved right now. Right. They just, sorry, they just don't know how to, <clears throat> they just don't know how to stop spending. So this is going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks, but Hey, look, it comes, it, it, it comes up for a good conversation. Cause you know what? There's so much stress in the housing market. Let's just add one more thing. Let's just, you know, throw this into the mix and, and really upset people. And, and, um, yeah, cause chaos and all that stuff. So now, um, John, could you scroll down a little bit more? All right, right here. Um, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Go back up. Go back up. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, go ahead. Right there, right there. Okay, I want to point this out too. If if mortgage rates surge to 8%, Zillow forecast existing home sales would drop 23% from 4.3 million in April to 3.3 million in September. A major economic disruption could upend activity and borrowing costs just when the market was beginning to stabilize and recover from the major cool down of late 2022. All right, John, can you scroll? Thank you. A debt default, however, ties more closely to rates and would also cast a dark shadow over the broader economy. The dire scenario could be avoided if politicians come to an agreement to raise the debt ceiling before the end of the month. Joe Biden and Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy both have a June 1 date on their minds, but no agreement has been reached. So, yeah, let's just face it. We're going back. We're going to be down to the 11th hour last second. And there's a comment here. They won't default. This happened before. I know it probably won't. Um, but the reality is we have to look at what could potentially happen. Because honestly, I don't trust the government, and as a lot of people don't. So I just, I don't know. I, I think it's something that we have to consider. Um, anyway, what do you think, Greg? I think it's a, it's all political jousting. Yeah. So, you know, on the, on the Republican side, Republicans want to make sure that they iron out certain things going forward from an expenditure standpoint to approve the raise of the debt ceiling. Mm 
Right. On the Democratic side, what they're saying is, well, isn't that a separate conversation that we should have next time we get budgets approved? And why do we have to do it right now? So it becomes this game of political toggling back and forth. Right. But it, but at the end of the day on it, you can't default on the debt because right. that means that you stop paying Social Security checks. You're not paying yeah. the military. You're not paying our creditors and you know, all these countries around the world and domestically and banks that we've issued bonds to. But yeah. you really can't. We're the biggest economy in the world and yeah. we can't default on our debt. Uh, well, I'll never say you can't. <laughs> Anything's possible. Anything's anything is possible. I, I know it just it, it worries me. But as a real estate agent, you know when you see this stuff come on, uh, you know you see this online, and then your clients see it, or just like you know the general public sees it, and they start freaking out. And it's even more reason for people to say, you know, I don't want to buy a house right now. Look what's going on in the economy. I get it, I get it. But why do we have to add more fuel to this fire? You know. Um, I, I couldn't agree. We were talking off camera before this about some of the the changes to credit, you know, the mm -hmm. the media coverage of it saying people with good credit are going to pay higher interest rates than people with bad credit. Yeah. None of that's true. But it just seems like the way things are publicized, that it kind of just further tries to divide everybody. I agree. I, One million percent. I totally agree with that. And like I was saying before, I've I've had a lot of people, um, a lot of my buyers have just been sitting on the sidelines, and it's now everybody's looking to next year. Now it seems like the twenty twenty four is going to be their year of hope, <laughs> where they can get a home. I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but it's like we thought this year would be it. And it's not, it just feels like there's, it's, oh my God, it's one thing after another, after another. Um, and you said mortgage rates today are about six and a half percent. Yeah, about six and a half right now. Okay. You know, one of the interesting things and where it gets, you know, people waiting to buy a house. I, we've talked before, and I'm sure you've talked plenty of times on the show. I don't think there's going to be a huge market correction anytime soon as to the cost of real estate. I, but I just don't, when you look at people renting right now, when the inflation report came out and inflation came down to 4.9% at the mm -hmm. target of 5%, that's year over year, which is the lowest level since April of 2021. Right. One of the things factored in there, some things went up and some things went down. Mm -hmm. What went up were rents. Yeah. Rents were one of the things that went up, as did used cars and gasoline, a handful of other things. But when you hear that, you go, gosh, you know, even in a market where we're getting inflation under control, the cost of rents are still rising at a, at a very high level. And I'm of the position that home ownership and home buying, you can't time the market perfectly. And who knows where it's going to be next year? I mean, rents have been increasing since 2000. It's 6.2% per year, every year, where the appreciation of housing is increased at about four and a half percent. Right. So although the house values are going up and the cost of buying homes are going up, they're not going up as high as rents. Right. And that concerns me going in the next couple of years as people wait, do we continue to just get more priced out of the market? Exactly. Yep. I, I, can't, oh my God. Speaking of getting priced out of the market, John, pull up this comment from Phantom Games, the second one. Look, check out this. Check this out, Greg. 
Phantom Games, did you hear a home in Clifton? This is Clifton, New Jersey, got 120 offers and sold 150,000 over asking. Uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Clifton, I think, um, was one of those towns where you could get somewhat of an affordable home. And now that's people are just, that's like the new area people are going to. It's like, oh, okay, you got homes between four or 500,000. That's my price point. And to see, this is what's happening again. Like we were just saying before about Ocean County, Greg, right? Yeah. Ocean County was fairly affordable. And I've had um, Jim Flanagan on here a number of times from Tom's River. And he said, now, you know, you're looking in Tom at Tom's River and Ocean County, like 400,000 easily. Four or five, even yeah. four has become on the really low end where they're getting closer exactly. to 500,000. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, I said this last time, New Jersey, especially, we are such a unique market because we still have the, the New York factor, right? The New Yorkers still moving here. Um, I, I still get I still get people reaching out to me all the time from the city that want to move here. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's not stopping. I mean, you know, it's great. You know, we'd love to have you, but it's so darn expensive now. And, and a lot of these New York city people, they, you know, a lot of them have money and they can, they can pay these prices. So. Yeah, I, it's, it's challenging in New Jersey because we're the most densely popul populated state in the country. Right. I get, I have a question for you, a trivia question. Okay. So per square mile in the state of New Jersey, how many people do you think live per square mile? Per square mile. Oh, that's a good one. I couldn't get over how big the number was. I was surprised. Oh, God, do I want to know? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm going to start here. So, and this is a conversation that came up with my son. One of, I have four kids and my youngest son is on his driver's permit. We're driving around. Yeah. We're talking about where's the worst place to live in the country. And we both decided it was Wyoming. And, and one of the big reasons for it is the, for every square mile, only five people live in every square mile. So oh, we started wow. thinking about it, like, what's New Jersey? New Jersey is twelve over 12,000 people per square mile in the state. Whoa, of are you serious? 12,000, most densely populated state. So when you look at it for real estate, wow. you know, there's only so much new construction that can go up to oh, accommodate yeah. the people. Yeah. And when you look at the influx, to your point with it, Jackie, people coming from New York, it's gonna. It's hard to see in any time in the near future there being any type of surplus of housing to no. drive, drive prices down. No, they're definitely definitely not, especially here in Jersey. But even nationwide, we're still the inventory. I mean, I think now we're short like five million, six million homes, something like that. I mean, and yeah. and the builders are still, you know, they they can't. They can't get these homes built fast enough. And somebody had said last week that it cost a builder about $67,000 in permits now. Wow. It, 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 all the fees that they have to pay towards the local governments and the federal government to get these things built. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, it, it, I just feel like every every bad thing that could be thrown at this, <laughs> this situation is constantly being thrown at. And it's like, when is this ever going to change? I would love to go back to pre 2020 and, right. and have the, I'm sure you would too. I mean, this is, it's just so, so challenging. So, um, I don't know. It's ridiculous. So Johnny, we have some other questions or comments on here. 
Can we uh, at Phantom Games? I say ban New Yorkers from moving to New Jersey. Um, yeah, you try that. Um, <laughs> and we got Brian back. Hey, Brian, welcome back. Around what price range of home have you seen the most offers or bidding war? Um, it, you mean what price? It, it honestly, Brian, it does not matter. I've seen homes in like I listed a home once for like three, I want to say three fifty eight or something like that, and I think it went like eighty thousand over. But then I list, then I helped buyers buy a house that was in eight hundred range, and they paid over a hundred thousand dollars for it. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if a price, if a house is priced well, right? If it's in that person's budget, it's priced well, and it's it shows well, it's in moving condition, it's a good house. That's what that's what happens. People, everybody wants it, and that's what's driving the price up. So um, what else? Oh, Brian has another question, John. How much did the price drop in New Jersey during a 2008 recession? Do you know that answer, Greg? Yeah, it was county specific, Brian. So it really depended on where you were at in New Jersey. When you start getting into some of the less densely populated areas, like Sussex County, New Jersey, as, a, as an example, there were pockets of Sussex County where you literally saw a 35% drop in real estate. Oh and it God. took that 10 years for that real estate to come back. Yeah. But then when you start getting into areas like Bergen County, more densely populated, more accessibility to the city, you know, I'd say you probably saw about on the high end, maybe a 20% drop. So location had everything to do with it. Right, right. Now that took a long time to get through all those foreclosures. A lot of a lot of people went under um, during that time. So that took. I mean, there was a lot of foreclosures that went on, even in New York too. At that time, I was living in New York, and oh my God, our friends lived in a brand new community. They just bought in two thousand six, right when things were at the height. It was a brand new community on the Hudson River up in Rockland County. And after that whole thing blew up, I remember going down there and seeing notices on the front doors of these places mm -hmm. that they were being foreclosed on and people were being evicted. And, oh, my God, that was so, so scary. And, and our friends lost money on their house, too. They paid a lot. And then they ended up selling it way under value. So, yeah, God, we can't do that again. That can't happen. We can't let that happen. Yeah, and you just think the math of it doesn't allow for it because the set of circumstances then were so different. It's true. Right now. True. They were. They definitely were. But um, if they default, though, if the government defaults. That's <laughs> true. Right. That's a deep real estate freeze if the government defaulted. <laughs> hey, you know, you never look, I. I say never say never, but, <laughs> but the right. chances are, we know the chances are it's probably not going to happen. But, um, but another thing I wanted to show that was uh, something else interesting regarding this whole default thing. Now um, it says here, what this is from, I forget the website I got this from, but it says what would happen if the government defaults on its debt? Hey, Johnny, could you scroll down a little bit? Cause I'm going to show the difference here between we have technical default. Okay, so technical default, this is the first scenario is a technical default, which is defined as an extended period of non-payment of some or all U.S. financial responsibilities. Based on a shock model, technical default would double the current unemployment rate of 3.4% to near 7% 
tip the economy into a recession within six months and following a short bout of disinflation results in a more persistent bout of inflation accompanied by a deterioration in the fiscal condition of the economy. So that what they're saying is if they're, if I understanding this, that they're going to, if they like delay, right. If they're delaying the payment, which is for an extended period of non-payment. Is that, am I reading that right, Greg? Yeah. Okay. So the actual default, John, can you scroll down a little bit again? You're doing so good, John. Thank you. An actual default. The second scenario would be the actual default in which the government out of money stops paying its obligations. It would be an unfettered economic catastrophe. Our model <laughs> indicates, gee, do you think the world's yes. going to end? Our model indicates that unemployment would surge above 12% in the first six months. The economy would, would contract by more than 10% triggering a deep and lasting recession and inflation would soar towards 11% over the next year. If that doesn't wake our government officials up, I don't know. I don't know what will. I don't know what's going to get that. It's just like, come on, stop playing the games, you know? You know, the other thing that doesn't even show. So you look at the the bank, Silicon Valley bank that, that had failed or the bank that failed yep. out in Silicon Valley. Yep. So one of the reasons that defaulted or the big reason is because they had all this, uh, these U.S. U.S. government treasury bonds. Right. They had a lot of cash coming in to their bank. And when you don't have enough, when you have so much cash, you can't lend it all out. Mm -hmm. They take it and they invest it in fed, federal treasury bonds, right? Yep. That were yielding the 1.75% return on investment. Right. Well, when they didn't have the cash flow coming in, they said, we got to raise capital. So they went to go sell those bonds. Well, the challenge is those bonds are yielding 4% right now. And in our portfolio, they're 1.75%. They're 50 cents worth 50 cents on the dollar. Mm -hmm. So they said, we can't do that. And then they went to the market and said, we need to raise capital. And that's when there was a run on the bank and the bank got shut down. Right. If the government def defaulted on their federal debt, it would be a disaster in the banking industry because a lot of banks have investments in those treasury bonds. And everything behind the scenes is very hedged, right? You're hedging other things with these assets that you have in federal debt. If right. that federal debt now isn't a triple A rated bond, right? And now it's a triple B. It's it's a mess. Oh God, let's let's please let's <laughs> let's not go there. Let's not go there. Getting agita just thinking about that. But ha there's been a few other. Um, I want to say bank failures or that, that's happened since then, since uh, Silicon Valley, right? We had the First Republic. Wasn't there another one recently that just, I want to say First Republic, was that one? Well, for, no? First Republic, and then the big one was, uh, I believe it was Credit Suisse that ended up getting yes. by UBS. Yes. Which no one really talks about that one. Why? <laughs> I think it's because it was so big. Because when Credit Suisse was a $1 trillion bank, yeah. they weren't, you know, Silicon Valley were worth a couple hundred billion. This was like a major world bank. Yeah. And really the Bank of Scotland insured that deal and made sure it got done. And right. they actually gave a lot of money to UBS to ensure that that deal got done. Okay. That would have caused some really, that causes global issues if a bank of that size go on. It's like the same size as Wells Fargo. Like that's the kind of size of bank okay. from an asset standpoint you were talking about. Were right, talking. right. Oh my God. Yeah, please no more bank failures because that's just going to freak everybody out again. Um, 
Sorry, my phone. Um, so, all right, John, you know what? Let's, um, I want to bring up those comments. So I want, I'm, I'm adding an, another, I like to change things up here every week. So we have comments. I go through the comments every week on the channel. And last week I put out a, uh, the video about how there was a dec decline in new listings. And it was like a 22% decline in new listings in the month of April. And how we are just, how the inventory is just, it's a disaster right now because people don't want to sell and give up the low interest rates. Hence the golden handcuffs that we I like to use that term a lot. So John, do you find, can you pull up those comments for me, please? Okay. This is a comment from somebody who said, keep up the good work. Hey, thanks. My thought is that a house will become a luxury product similar to other countries or cities. Unless multi-generation or extended family combine their income, owning a house will continue to be more difficult. This housing issue will resolve once the 2 to 3% mortgages mature. The federal government has caused a housing problem for the next 15 to 30 years. Greg, what do you think about that? Well, I, I understand the perspective of that. I don't know that, in my opinion, I don't know it's a 15-year problem. You know, a lot of people would say if interest rates get back down to, to 5% or even 5.5%, yep. the people that are currently at 3 3.5%, that's a palatable number. Yes. To sell your house and buy something else. And that yes. should increase inventory. Yep. So I don't know that it had, that they, hey, if they created a long-term problem, if interest rates stay at 8%, 7%, it, yeah. I mean, I think then you have a long-term problem, but I don't necessarily know that's what we're going to see over the course right. of the next couple of years. Right. So speaking of mortgage rates for this year, okay, we're at six and a half percent now. And I, and a lot of experts were saying beginning of the year, it, it could be end this year at this at six and a half percent. Some were saying it could fall down into the fives, low fives even. Now with the CPI that came out on May 10th, we were talking about that before, um, that, that didn't really do that much as far as interest rates are concerned. Now, aren't we going to be getting that CPI again? Like, won't that come out again? And will that? Yeah, we'll get it again. If we see a trend of uh, rates going down, excuse me, as inflation dropping, yeah. then you'll see the, I, we're not going to see, I don't, or at least I don't think that we're going to see a reduction to the Fed changing their interest rates. Really what the market's playing for is no more increases. Okay. So if we see inflation continuing to dip, at least the federal stays stable, right. which will help with the bond pricing, which helps with long-term interest rates. Got you. Okay. Yep. No, that makes sense. Yeah, that's right. Because I read that too. They're they're putting a pause on raising the rates for the rest of the year. Because I I saw when uh, last week when the CPI came out, I read somewhere that there was a there was the thought that they may go ahead and raise rates again. I'm like, are you? Are you kidding? You got to be kidding me. This has got, it's got to stop. Like, <laughs> it really does. I, I mean, I, if the bank failures weren't a good enough signal, like that I, was the one to me in looking at it, Jackie, it's when the banks start failing because they had bought treasury bonds mm -hmm. or treasury bills and now they're not worth any money. It's yep. kind of a good indication. Maybe you raised them a little bit too fast. Yeah. And you got to kind of stabilize this whole thing. I know, but like I said, like the video I did last week, I said, you know what? I, I understand they they got to they 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 had to get a grip on the housing market, especially because of the way the prices are going. But raising the rates 
Now the mortgage rates are higher. Hasn't really done much now, has it? Because of the inventory, like people don't care. Like the comment before, you know, from Phantom Games saying house got 120 offers, 150,000 over asking and interest rates are six and a half percent. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. They still want the house. They need a house to live in. So raising the rates just, it didn't do anything. It really didn't. <laughs> oh, you're right. And, you know, you can make the argument if rates drop to 5%, we just now have triple the buyers coming in the market, not necessarily. Yes, but the hope is the inventory will come back up because then then those golden handcuffs could be loosened and people can will feel comfortable. Like you said, they'll feel comfortable to to trade up. Um, but who knows? Well, like I always say. If your your house is worth so much more now, you're going to have that much more money to put down on the next property because of what right. you've earned on your current home, right? So, you know, it, it's almost a wash, I guess. I don't know. It's, I, I, if you're I downsizing, know. it's a great time to do it. I think yeah. what's really hurt, as we've all seen, is it's kind of that step up buyer. Yes, and that's, that's what we lost in the marketplace. So it's not freeing enough and up, up enough first time home buyer inventory because yep. no one's stepping up. Exactly. You know, and I, I've said this all the time. The only inventory I've seen over the past few years is people moving out of state investment properties, or it's, it's an estate where the person had is deceased mm -hmm. and that's how you were getting houses. I, it's, 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 it's really frustrating. Um, I think one thing I could add to inflation, Jackie, I'm really from the school of the only thing that's going to slow down inflation is people need to stop spending money. Because yeah. it's really the domestic spending. Last quarter's report on overall spending, when you weed out the inflation factor, mm -hmm. it went from a three and a half percent increase to a four point two percent increase. Oh, so wow. people are spending more money and more money, even factoring in the inflation component. And the reality is inflation, from my perspective, it's a product of supply and demand. If people still are buying tuna fish, and there's a shortage on tuna fish, the cost is going to continue to go up. And that's what you're kind of seeing in the marketplace right now. Right. But I mean, do you think it's because I totally see what you're saying there, but is it, but people still need to buy stuff to live. I mean, if that's the prices are higher, this is why they're, I mean, that's, they still have to get it. Right. Yeah. So it's not like, I don't know. I mean, I don't see, I, I can't really speak to it, but I don't know if I see too many people going out there buying like major luxury items, you know, buying cars and, and things like that or luxury car. I don't even know how the car industry is, auto industry is doing right now, to be honest with you. But I think those luxury things, um, that's, you know, I, I think people just need to like put a hold on that. The luxury, the vacations, people are continuing to go on them. I and I'm not saying I'm not judging it. We all do it. Right. 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 I mean, people still want to live, right. They got to have, they want to enjoy their lives. Speaking of vacations, I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. So we own a vacation property down in, in Delaware last year, the place rented no problem. This year we're having a problem and a lot of other short-term rentals in that area, even down the Jersey shore, I'm seeing People, they're, they're having problems getting the properties rented. Now, number one, I think it's because Airbnb, um, the Airbnb market is saturated, right? Because a lot of people bought these second homes during COVID and there's so many available now, not everybody's getting their, 
places rented. And number two, I think it is because of the economy. You know, mm. people are, we've had to reduce our rent, our rent price. I'm fine with that. Um, but you know, you look at places in LBI, Kate May, even Kate May, I'm still getting emails from real estate companies down there that there's still availability. There's all these homes available mm. for, for vacation rentals that I, in the 23 years we've been going down there, that's, I've never seen that. Like you have to book your house by January or you're, you're not getting, <laughs> you're not getting a vacation home in Cape May. Now there's so much available. And yeah, that's a great point. It could be a sign of things starting it's, to change. It's a, a sign. It's a, or it's a sign that people are trying to pull back on that. Or my girlfriend, who's a real estate agent in Delaware, she thinks is that now people now we're past COVID, people are taking like big vacations, like getting on a plane and going to like to Europe or to the Caribbean or something like that. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's it, it's really interesting. But when you're when you're seeing it, like being in it in the moment, I'm like, oh, my God, we had no problem renting this place last year. What in the heck is going on? And then when you see other people having the same problem, like, oh, God. You know? you know, one of the weird things that have happened since Airbnb has become so popular, because I live down in that shore area, yep. is a lot of towns have come in and say and said, there's no short term rentals. Like if you're going to rent a property, you have to rent it for a month. And it's a way that they've went about combating Airbnb because these okay. local towns down here, people that own the properties love Airbnb. The community doesn't because oh, you have I get different, that. different people in there all the time. Yeah. And like, I think Spring Lake's an example. I think you have to rent for a month now. Oh yeah. Spring Lake for sure. Yeah. My sister-in-law lives there. Yeah, definitely. If you got, you can't, it can't be weekly anymore, but, right. um, but those towns like, you know, like Cape May, Wildwood, you know, those places where you do the weekly rentals and even like around the beaches in Delaware, their weekly rentals, you know, it, it's, I mean, it's a lot cheaper down there compared to the Jersey shore. That's why I was so surprised. I'm so right. I'm like, why? Why aren't people renting? So mm -hmm. anybody wants to rent a place in Delaware, let me know. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> if you haven't booked your vacation yet, let me know. So John, we have a couple of uh, we get a couple more comments here. Another one from Fan. Oh, uh, we got Brian. Sorry. Hello, Brian. Will the Feds be able to reduce the inflation to two percent if the rent or housing price doesn't come down? I don't know, Greg. What do you what do you say to that? Well, I think it depends what kind of inflation you're looking at, because they this is where the whole system is. What do they want to feed us as the American people? Right. So are they some in some of the index or indices they throw out there, they pull housing out of it or they pull oil out of it to kind of measure that core rate. But the mm -hmm. overall inflation rate to get down to two percent, if you put in housing in there, I think that would be a challenge mm -hmm. to get down to two percent. And they're saying now that probably doesn't happen until sometime next year. Well, do we? You're, you think they would? I don't know. <laughs> you know, the thing I thought too, now the prices are up. Yeah. If you're a, all these big companies are publicly traded and now you have your revenue coming in. So if you've established your price of your good from $8 to $11, yeah. are you ever going to reduce it? I don't know that you will. Now, are you going to keep the profit margin as the cost of goods start to drop? It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Right. Yeah, it would be. Um, we have another comment here, Johnny, uh, from Bob. 
Bob Curran, hi, how are you? Is using cash a better way to buy? A uh, cash is king. If you if you got it, that seems to be the um, that seems to be the go to. Uh, I hate to say that, I really do. But cash is king, and the sellers sellers are still fearful of the appraisals, which we have not had an appraisal issue in a long time, and <clears throat> that still comes up. As a matter of fact, funny story. Um, showed an invest, uh, an investment, ugh, an investor client of mine, a property last week, and they were putting a substantial amount of money down, but they also were going hard money loan on the rest of the, on the balance of it. And the real estate agent was like, yeah, we don't, we're not dealing with hard money. I'm like, hmm. why? She's like too difficult. They're too difficult to deal with. And, um, they're very strict on the appraisal. I said, wait a minute. I I worked with these this particular one before. It's never been a problem. An appraisal. When has an appraisal been an issue? You know, unless you feel like you've grossly underpriced it and you're gonna, <laughs> you know, you're hoping to really jack the price up. Um, it shouldn't be an issue. So, I don't know. Do you? What do you say about that, Greg? Do you think appraisals are still a problem? I don't see them as a problem no. at all. No, I haven't seen a problem with them at all. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny. Sellers still have that in their head. And, and I think us as real estate agents, like, look, we have to give the worst case scenario, right? When we're representing a seller, we have to tell them like, this, this is what we have to look for. And when, if some, if somebody's over like bidding way over the asking price, you have to, you know, a lot of them are still asking to waive the appraisal. A lot of buyers are still doing that, but we got to be careful in how we present this because it's putting that stigma in their heads. And then they go and tell their friends, you got to be careful. It doesn't appraise. If that's an appraise, the deal's going to fall apart. And you know, all this stuff, it, but it hasn't happened. And I don't think we're going to see that. I don't think we're ever going to see a problem for, for quite some time with these homes appraising, especially here in Jersey. I mean, other parts of the country could be a different story because I know there's a lot of markets that the prices have come down, but not here. So, I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with you on that, Jackie. And so much of it is just education based anyway, because if you right. have someone putting down, you're buying a house for a million dollars, you're putting yep. down 20%, you're borrowing 800,000. Yeah. If the property under appraises for even 900,000, well, you can still borrow 800,000. Yep. And all that changed is you went from borrowing 80% of the value of the property to say 90% of the value exactly. of the property. Exactly. Right. It doesn't, I haven't seen an appraisal actually kill a deal right. in years. It's been a long time. No, me neither. And I would say, and it's never killed a deal. The last time it happened to me was probably four years ago. And we just, uh, did we renegotiate? No, we didn't renegotiate the price. Actually, the, the seller was like, they were hard on their price and they ended up, the buyers ended up paying, uh, paying PMI. They just said, right. okay, the heck with that. They'll pay PMI for whatever, five years, whatever the plan was. But um, but it's just funny that here we are three years into this and these appraisals are still, they still come to the forefront to people's minds. Like, oh, my deal's going to fall apart if it underpraises. Oh my right. God, it's not going to underpraise. Anyway. Uh, hey, John, can you bring up that other comment? Okay. This one is for you, Greg. I brought this, I picked this one out specifically for you. Somebody commented on this. This is on the video from last week. It would help if mortgage loans were assumable or portable. Assumable would let the buyer step in the shoes of the seller with the low interest rate mortgage loan to help 
the new buyer financed the purchase of the home. Portable would let the seller apply their existing low interest rate mortgage loan to finance their purchase of a different home, but I don't know how lenders could be encouraged to turn existing mortgage loans that aren't assumable or portable into loans with these features. I thought this is an excellent comment. Greg, what do you, as a, as a lender, what do you say about that? So the first thing that I would say is some loans are assumable. So an FHA mortgage is assumable. Right. And a VA loan is assumable. Right. So, and I just ran that situation the other day. It was a VA mortgage and the buyer's coming in. They're going to mm -hmm. assume the mortgage at the low interest rate and they're going to make up the difference between the amount that they owed, the mortgage they assumed and the purchase price. They're going to make that up in cash. Okay. So in the actual numbers were the $600,000 purchase. The current owner of the property had a $450,000 VA mortgage at 3%. Wow. The buyer came in and said, I want to assume that mortgage. And they were able to assume that mortgage, that $450,000 mortgage at 3%. And then they came to the closing with $150,000 to make up the whole $600,000. Wow. So you, you can do that for an FHA or for a VA mortgage. Okay. Now you, but it isn't just a transaction where it's between buyer and seller. So you still have to go through the VA have your income checked and everything like that. So they're going to validate the fact FHA or VA will right. validate the fact that you can afford the property on conventional mortgages. So Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, any real jumbo mortgage, you cannot assume those mortgages. Okay. okay. And it's one of those things you'll probably never see happen in the banking industry, because if you're behind the scenes, all these loans are, they're all sold behind the scenes, Fannie mm -hmm. Mae, Freddie Mac, private investors. Mm -hmm. But if you're a bank that has uh, loans at 3%, mm -hmm. and now the current market is yielding 6%, you're really hoping that you don't have that forever, right? Mm -hmm. And for you to let someone else assume that mortgage, you would lose a tremendous amount of money in doing that. Okay. So from a consumer, it'd be great from a consumer standpoint, right. it would be very toxic for what goes behind the scenes in the mortgage industry. Gotcha. Because okay. mortgages are really a commodity. So yeah. they trade on something called the mortgage-backed securities market. It's a bond right. market. So kind of like the stock market, except it's for mortgages. Yeah. So it, it would create a, a lot of havoc in that arena. Okay. But okay. if you have someone selling their house and it's an FHA or a VA loan that the current owner of the property has, the buyer can assume that. That's That's pretty cool. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> That's, yeah. That is really cool. So let me let me ask you then, if it's a VA loan, the, the new buyer, do they have to be a veteran too? They do not have to be, no. Oh, really? So now if I'm selling the house and I have a VA mortgage and I have 3%, boy, what's the value of my house? Got to be worth more money because I can give that buyer a 3% interest rate for the balance that I owe on the property. Holy cow. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's a great loan. Oh, my God. I would see more people need to know about this. You know, that's uh, now what's that comment, though? He said portable loans. That would be the same as assumable or no? Yeah, I think he's I think by portable, it's really the comment of it's a you can give it to somebody else. Give it to somebody else. Right. Is assuming it. So it, that see, that's a shame that you can't do that on conventional loans, you know, but yeah. I understand it. I get it. But. But meanwhile, a government government backed uh, a government program. 
Sure, right. why not? <laughs> and you know what? So conve in conventional mortgages has really never been assumable. And it's because of what goes on behind the scenes right. as to how this, com it's a commodity being bought and sold. Exactly. Okay. So, so say I'm going to assume that VA loan, you're still going to go through the whole process again, like with getting a loan, right? With going through, you, you, obviously you're going to do the credit checks, submit all your documents, and they're going to do an appraisal, all the things, right? It's going to be they're same gonna thing. Do all of, yeah, they're going to do all of that, Jackie, but who's out of the loop in that is someone like myself. So once it's being assumed, it becomes between the bank, the, the owner of the property, the the whoever holds the mortgage in the in the seller, the buyer, and the lender. Gotcha. Direct lender. Okay. Okay. Got it. That's really interesting. Um, so, all right, John, we got another comment from Phantom Games. Why don't builders stop building huge homes and start building more compact ones? That's a good question. <laughs> That's I'm a really good. Phantom I, Games. I know enough of the McMansions, right? I mean. My God, I was like, look, I love looking at homes, you know, when I'm driving around, especially up here in Bergen County, there's some big, beautiful homes that are being built in Hohokus. Oh my God. Just gorgeous. Oh, by the way, I was speaking of Hohokus. Remember on your podcast, was it the Hohokus thing we were talking about? Yes. I was there Friday night and I wanted to well, find Richard Nixon's chair. <laughs> that's great. I was married there. I was married in the home. That's right. That's right. I remember talking about Richard Nixon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh my God, forgot about that. Anyway, but yeah, why won't they build? So, you know, it's, um, yeah. Well, here in Jersey, that's hard to do. I mean, like we were saying, it's so densely populated. There's no land. Uh, but in other parts of the country, they are talking about builders are now moving over and building multifamily units yeah. um, and building like apartments or um, condos. That's that's becoming more popular. But like affordable homes, smaller homes, I so agree with you. Um, that's that totally needs to be done. It's it's just outrageous. So speaking of, I don't know if you're familiar, Greg, with this uh, this YouTuber, Mr. Beast. He's like the biggest. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Mr. Beast guy's got like a billion followers. I just read last week, he bought in North Carolina, like an entire neighborhood for his family and his staff, <laughs> bought all the houses, bought all the houses. <laughs> like, uh, good for him. But you know what? Can you save some for the rest of us for the love of God? I mean, come <laughs> on. Really? Like... Right. Somebody else wanted to buy that house, you know? I mean, we're all waiting in the wings, and he comes in with this pile of cash and said, I'll take it all. Right. Like, right. no, no, go away, go away. You, you mean, know what? That kind of goes back to the big and small house thing. Like, I'm a big proponent of build smaller houses because yeah. you can smaller lots just, just fill the right. need that we have. But the reality is there's a lot of people with a lot of money yeah in this part of the country and yep. they want big houses and that's what they want that's them. what they want oh my god i could not even like i, I mean i think the house in now is too damn big i can't wait to downsize it's just it's too much it's too much um hey john bob curran had another comment we just want to i just want to verify this bob says so i am not a veteran yet i can get a va loan it you if assume it you can assume the, a loan from a veteran like you couldn't go and get a VA loan if you're not a veteran or in the military. Right. Right. Okay. Just want to clarify that. Um, so yeah, so we, yeah, so we got Mr. Beast, uh, buying up neighborhoods in, in North Carolina, 
taking homes from the average Joe. I don't know, Greg, do you think I should do a video about that? <laughs> <laughs> Calling them out? Well, you like, should tag them in it. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I could get a lot of hate for that too, you know, from his like 10 million fans. Oh my God. I, yeah, it, it really bothered me. It really, really bothered me. Like, dude, do you know what's going on right now? You had to buy for everybody. Like, right. I don't get it. I don't get it. But um, anyway, so as far as what you're seeing in the market, like how are loan applications going on for you right now? Like you see, you said, you said it's like, it's been a lull. Right yeah, now, there's right? been a bit of a little bit of a lull over the course of the past couple of weeks. I've seen it slow down a little bit, which is unusual for this time of year. You start seeing it pick up this time of year. So the people that are pre-approved that have been in the market for a while, they they're staying in the market, but we're not yeah. seeing quite as many new people coming in. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? But it's it's coming, we're coming to the end of the spring market. I mean, let's face it, by beginning of June, it's like, especially here in Jersey, it's like everyone's off to the shore. No one's looking at houses anymore. And it's just like it comes to it slows down. Then it picks up again a little bit like end of July, August. But I would say the official spring market, it's gonna end it ends in two weeks or a week and a half. But no, two weeks. I'm sorry, Memorial Day. God, what day am I on? And it almost feels like it wasn't even here. Right. Right. It never like, yeah, it, it never happened. We had no spring market this year. None. I mean, the inventory, I, I've never seen it that low. I said this last week in my town where typically in a, in a normal market, we would see between 80 homes, 80 to 90 homes. We were down to like 18 homes active, just single family homes. And wow. then I would say maybe there was like 10 to 12 uh, townhomes and condos. Uh, I unbelievable. Never, ever have I seen that. Um, but at, who knows? Who knows? Um, John, I'm sorry. Another comment just came up. Uh, what's your thoughts on the home price appreciation in Irvington, Newark and other parts of Jersey? You know, I, I don't know, but I got to tell you if, um, if it's affordable, like I see a lot of investors going down there in those areas now and buying. Um, I have a, an agent in my office who works with a lot of investors. They own a lot of properties in those, in that general area, Passaic, um, Patterson. Um, I I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of that. Will they appreciate? Look, they always appreciate. They do. Um, and Newark, you know, some parts of Newark, you know, they're, it's not bad. They are trying to clean that up and make it, you know, make it more of a, of a better vibe, you know? Um, but I don't know. I don't, I really, I can't say for sure. Um, let me see. Yeah. I see you also said you've seen the price increases in the bad places live Newark and Irvington is insane. Yeah. Because Newark and Irvington, they're still, the prices are still affordable. And again, once you're in that price point, anybody that comes to me and says, Oh, my, uh, my budget's three fifty to 400,000. Yeah, that's not. I, I cringe because it's like you're not gonna. I hate to be the downer, but like it's you're. It's gonna be a struggle. It's gonna be a struggle because those are the ones that the investors are scapping up. Just being honest, you know, if you got the cash, that's what that's what they're spending their cash on. So, it's my two cents. That's my TED talk. So, anyway, <laughs> but so do you think, Greg, rates are gonna come back down at the end of the year? We're gonna stay where we are now. I think they'll come back. I think they'll come down a little. 
Yeah. Between now, as soon as we start really talking about recessionary trends and no one wants to talk about anything bad as far as the economy is concerned. Right. We start to see unemployment tick up a little bit, a little more recessionary. I think we'll see them come down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we get down into the fives because that. That's it. Yeah. That'll help. Well, it'll help on the sell end. And we're about eight months into it now. So this has been a pattern now for the past eight or nine months where rates have been in the sixes plus. So I I think we'll start to see them trend down a little bit. Okay. I hope so. And let's just hope the government doesn't default and we go, we hit 8% because then we're screwed. And let's just all pack it in and, you know, give up our careers because we're done. Oh, it's going to be terrible. (laughs) Terrible. I know. I just wanted to own a coffee shop or a car wash. So there's still time. Maybe a car wash with a Dunkin' Donuts in it. There you go. There you go. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm trying to come up with my next career because uh, this is kind of scaring me right now, but it'll be all, it's all good. It's all good. I mean, as long as the government behaves and they do what they need to do and pay their damn bills like the rest of us, we'll be okay. So that's my thought on that. Anyway, so we are almost at an hour. Greg, this has been amazing. I so appreciate you being here. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm glad you came back. It's always fun having you here. Um, If anybody would like to uh, contact Greg, if you have any mortgage questions and you're looking to get a loan, please reach out to him. I'll have his contact information uh, down below on the description box in this video. Um, Check out his podcast, Your Mortgage Process. Really great stuff. He's does an awesome job, gives really good information. You will learn a lot. Trust me. Um, speaking of podcasts, you all know that now I have started a podcast. I now um, set, put this live stream out on a podcast the next day. So if you miss me on Monday nights, don't worry. You can catch me the next day and you can hear me play me play it in the car while you're working out. You know, just you get to hear me then. It'd be great. Um I'm sorry, Phantom Games, one more thing. The government cannot pay debt. It's like 120% of our GDP. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm going to breathe. <laughs> anyway, so on that note, I wish everybody a wonderful week. And I thank you all for being here and all the comments. And if you're new here and if you're watching the replay, feel free to subscribe because you really like to be part of this community. We're a lot of fun. All right, everybody have a great night, Greg. Thank you again for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, and uh, I'll see everybody next week. Have a great t- great night.